wonderfully with our theme, does it not? You'd almost think that that was by design. It was. Well, again, we are thrilled to have you here as we are uh, in the missions conference, and uh, that's, that's exciting. It's always good to uh, emphasize what God thinks is pretty important, real important. And I'm glad you're here. And tonight we're going to have the opportunity to go down to our annex here in a little bit and uh, get a chance to see some of the displays that have been set up. There's a number of them down there, different countries around the world. And I'm going to encourage you to make your way down there after the service and uh, not waste a lot of time. Get down there and mingle about, look at those uh, uh, displays, as well as ask a number of questions. Uh, the ones who have put the displays together uh, volunteered to do so. They studied. They prepared. They may not have all the answers, but then again, who does? But I would encourage you to ask them questions. You know, how many uh, people are in that country and how many churches? I just asked a number. Anything that comes to your mind, ask them. They may or may not be able to answer it, but I think you'll find they've done a good job of trying to prepare and ready for your questions. And we wanted this to be a time of encouragement, a time of learning instruction, and just, uh, just a great time of fellowship. And so we're going to move along tonight. It's, I think, about uh, 6.30 at this point, and some of you have your phones on. You could probably know better than I. But anyway, <clears throat> <laughs> but, but nonetheless, we're going to do our best to get out of here soon. We do have a baptism. I don't see any reason why we can't be down there by at least 9.30. And... Uh, <clears throat> Joking, man, I tell you, it's a tough crowd tonight. Well, there's a few of you that are awake, but some of you are like, oh boy, here we go. Okay, no, really, we're going to move along tonight, okay? And so I just want to begin, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about a message that I've entitled, and it's about missions, obviously, as we kind of kick it off tonight, uh, that all the earth may know. Look, if you will, in 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17, we're going to begin reading there. We're going to notice just a very basic passage, one that you're very familiar with, probably. And if not, you will be in just a moment. But of course, we know that the Israelites faced a tremendous enemy. We knew that. The enemy, of course, the Philistines. And we find the Philistines there at the Valley of Elah, right there on one side of the valley and the Israelites on the other. And of course, there was a champion by the name of Goliath. Goliath, of course, was a very uh, big guy, to say the least. He was a man of war from his youth. He was extremely skilled in battle. And the men of Israel fled before him. They were fearful of it. But there came a shepherd boy who, had hearing after hearing the taunt of this great giant, after listening to him put down his God and the armies of Israel, This shepherd boy stands to his feet and says, Is there not a cause? Won't somebody stand up to this giant? Somebody has to do something to shut him up. And I mean to tell you, David did just that. And before he literally flings that stone that would sink into the skull of that Philistine, he makes a statement. That we find here in the passage that I believe outlines the real purpose of missions. In 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 46, 
The Bible says, This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee, and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, and to the wild beast of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. I want you to know tonight that the real motivation for us as we go forward, obviously, is to please our Master, to honor the God who created us. But we want the world to know that there is a God, a God who gave His life, who sacrificed His all, who suffered on Calvary, died and was buried, and rose again the third day. And tonight, I want to do my best to simply share a message entitled that all the earth may know. Because I am convinced that this is the cry of biblical missions. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 10 through 11, we read that at, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. That every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, God wants all to know. And ultimately all will bow and all will acknowledge Him. A person who is ignorant of a cure is not always bliss. You've heard the statement, ignorance is bliss. But let me tell you something, if there, you have a disease and you are ignorant of its cure, you're not bliss at all. I read about a man who had been blind. And he, after a certain procedure, got his eyesight back. The only bad thing was is that the procedure had been around for 25 years. He was just ignorant of it. He didn't know that he could have had the, that it was a, uh, that his eyesight could have been corrected a number of years earlier. He did not realize that they had a cure for his particular eye problem. And let me tell you that in reality, there are a number of people today who are ignorant to the cure of their soul's salvation. They're in sin today. They're spiritually blind. Even as this man was blind, so they are spiritually blind. In Ephesians chapter 4, turn there if you would please, verse 17 and 18. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. There's nothing bliss about ignorance. Obviously, if you don't know something, you don't think about it. But when it comes to your spiritual, eternal destination, you better know the Lord Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 4, 17 and 18, notice there are a number of spiritually blind folks in the world today, the Bible says, This I say therefore, verse 17, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. How sad it is, when there are those that are ignorant to the great physician, the only one that possesses the cure to their blindness. The truth is they needn't walk about blind. They no longer need to be spiritually in debt to Satan. 
In 2 Corinthians, the Bible tells us, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, and whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Satan has blinded them. The fact is that Jesus Christ has given his life for them. He's already paid the price. And those who are blind need to come face to face with Jesus Christ the Savior. They need to cry out like blind Bartimaeus did when he sat by the roadside begging, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And there on that road, Jesus stood still and listened to the cry of that poverty-stricken blind man. And even as God heard the cry of blind Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus, he will hear the cry of every single sinner who is blind today, spiritually. See, that's what missions is all about. That all the earth may know. And I just want to share one simple truth this evening. I want to realize tonight, as we consider that all the earth may know, that missions is conceived in the mind of God. That's the only thought I want to look at tonight. Missions is conceived in the mind of God. And so we'll take a few minutes and do that. Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, for your leadership. Speak to our hearts. Help us, Lord, tonight. Lord, what a great group that's gathered tonight as we kick off this missions conference officially. As we look forward, Father, to the displays in just a few moments. As we're excited about the baptism that will take place, Lord, we are looking forward to what you have in store for us, even now in this message and from your blessed book, the Word of God. Father, speak to us now through your Spirit. Fill me with your Spirit. Help me, Father, to proclaim this truth in a way that's understandable. Father, that it will be taken and received gladly, and then applied to our lives. Lord, countless souls are counting on us tonight. Help us, Lord, to do our best to please you first. And as we please you, Lord, other things will take care of themselves. Well, thank you now in Christ's name. Amen. Turn over to Isaiah 6, would you please? Isaiah chapter 6. Missions is conceived in the mind of God. Isaiah chapter 6. It's in the Old Testament. Pretty big book, about the middle of your Bible. Notice in chapter 6 now, we're going to begin reading verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another, and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. 
And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips. Thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. May I say that long before Isaiah answered that question, the Lord Jesus Christ did. There came a time in eternity past when the Trinity sat down to a meeting. And the question was asked, who will go for us? Which one of us will take that long journey down to mankind? Which one of us will travel light years to that sin-sick world only to be rejected by those we've created? Who will walk the dusty trails of Galilee enduring the hardship, the hatred, and the human limitations? Who will submit himself to the cruel mocking, the bitter scorn, and the ruthless ridicule of a proud and arrogant people? Who will surrender themselves to the rejection, the cruelty, and malice of a very ungrateful people? Who will willingly lay down his life on an old rugged cross, shed his blood, and sacrifice his body on behalf of sinful man? Jesus stepped up that day. And as the Trinity contemplated redemption, Jesus Christ, the second person of that Trinity, took one step forward and he came to me. The gulf that separated me from Christ my Lord. It was so vast the crossing I could never ford. From where I was to his domain it seemed so far. I cried, dear Lord, I cannot come to where you are. He came to me. He came to me when I could not come to where he was. He came to me, that's why he died on Calvary. When I could not come to where he was, he came to me. Listen, God is the author of missions. He's the author of it. See, it all began in heaven with Him. It all began when He reached out to this world with the message of salvation. We simply continue the work that the Lord Jesus Christ and God Himself began those number of years before. We've not devised or developed or designed any new thing here. I mean, the missions board and the idea of faith promise and reaching around the world with the gospel is nothing novel with us. It is just something we have simply taken from the pages of Scripture and applied to our ministry and our church. 
We're only carrying out the plan that God has described and declared in Scripture. We only continue that work that He begun after the fall. And even before, I should say, the fall of mankind. See that all the earth may know. That's what it's really about. This is the business of the church, and it ought to be the business of its membership. That all the earth may know. We're to exalt and to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to exalt Him within the world. We're to let the whole world know there's a God in heaven that loves and cares for them. I mean, let's face it, that's why we learn the Word of God and memorize the Scriptures. That's why we carry our Bibles to church with us. I mean, that's why we take prayer requests, fast and pray without ceasing. That's why we come to church, invite others to come with us and ultimately serve in the ministry. That's why we sing in the choir and teach Sunday school and, and work on the buses. I mean, that's why we do what we do. That's why we stand and sing and why we, we sing in the choir and why we respond to the preaching, why we give of our finances. That's why we knock on doors and send emails and contact visitors and follow up on folks. We do it all for one reason. We do it that all the earth may know. That's why we have a missions conference and take the faith promise offering. And that's why we support missionaries around the world. Why? That all the earth may know. The business of soul winning and reaching people with the gospel was conceived in the mind of God. It's not something that Pastor O'Donnell came up with. It's not something that the Baptist church endorsed. It's not something that Christianity through the centuries has decided to take on as an endeavor. No, it's God's business. Conceived in the mind of God. It's His passion. It's His heartbeat. It's His burden for His creation that they may come to the very person of Jesus Christ and find deliverance and salvation. In Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to me. He came to you. You know what? He came for everyone else as well. And now, as a result, every believer is to go with the gospel, to share the good news, to proclaim the glad tidings, to herald the message and present the person of Christ, and to lift their voice as a trumpet before a world who cannot see in hopes that they will hear the message of eternal hope. They're blinded. They cannot see. But will they hear? The problem is, is that sometimes the desire, the longing, is that they hear. We're evangelical, as we mentioned Wednesday night, but are we evangelistic? It's one thing to say, I care about souls. It's another thing to reach out to them. Oh yeah, there's a number of evangelical churches that inwardly care about souls but very few evangelistic churches who reach out and win them. May I say tonight that the Bible speaks of that need. Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 10. Not just to be evangelical, but to be evangelistic. Notice what the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 13 through 15. It says, for whosoever 
shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. That's a wonderful truth, by the way. That whosoever could be replaced with your name, my name, or anybody else's. But how then, the Bible goes on to say, shall they call on him, him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of, who they, uh, of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Now I am convinced there's a number of people with good intentions. But then again, hell is paved with good intentions. There's a number of believers and there's a number of churches, a number of pastors, a number of leaders in the Christian faith who have good intentions. I think we want to see people saved. I think we long to see our world transformed and changed. But listen, it will never be changed. Souls will never be saved. Lives will never be reached unless we send them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And unless we take that same message to our communities, our counties, our country and around the world. It's not enough to want something. You have to do something. And the bottom line is, is biblically and scripturally, when Jesus Christ says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, He's saying, don't just want it, do it. And I'm telling you tonight that we as a church need to take the responsibility of not only wanting it, but doing something about it. Because I'm fearful that there aren't as many doing as there ought to be. And if not us, who? Say, well, let somebody else do their part. We do enough around here. We give enough already. We're always busy. We're always active. We're going soul winning at least. We're knocking on doors. How can we also have to worry about winning the world when we're trying to win our community? Because God's blessed you. Think about the blessings we experience in America. Do you honestly believe that God blessed America with the prosperity that it does have, possess, for simply Americans to enjoy life? Do you think He gave you that job He gave you so you can just live comfortably in your house? Relax in front of your television set, drink your cold drinks, and enjoy your life? I mean, are we that, are we that closed-minded? Are we that sheltered from truth? Do we honestly believe that all God cares about is our personal comfort? That's why He gave me the job I have. That's why He gave me the wife I have. That's why He gave me the family I have. That's why He placed me in the community I'm in and in the church I'm in. Do you think he did that simply so you could have a good life? Uh-uh. Not at all. Do you know that your resources are really to be used for God's purpose? That's why God's blessed you. My resources are not mine. They're for him. I could have easily been born in the Philippines. Received a call from Ed Lorena this morning. Could have easily been in the Philippines, living beside those tracks that I remember so vividly, where there were cardboard houses built, no running water, dirt floors, and sewage, and feces all over the ground. I could have been born in that environment. I could have been born in a place where if I just had an, uh, a few ounces of rice, I'd be grateful. 
and the day would be wonderful because I'd fill my belly for once. But I live in America, and yet if I'm not careful, I kind of get the idea that I deserve all this blessing, and that it certainly suits me fine, and I'm good to go, and that's all that matters. And yet all along, God in heaven's broken-hearted because He gave me everything I have that all the earth may know. We're the most blessed people in the world. Whether we believe it or not, we are. And yet I'm fearful that we are fast, if not already become, the most selfish people on earth. And let's not be so pious to think that within the walls of Community Baptist Temple, we are the only ones that aren't selfish. Let's be very honest with ourselves today. Be very careful before we answer those questions before a God who knows our heart and honestly knows the truth. Like the Captain Penny used to say, you can fool some of the people some of the time, all the people, no, you can fool some of the people some of the time, all the people all the time, right? But you can't fool mom or something like that. That's all the part I remember, you can't fool mom. You can't fool God, I'll tell you that much. You can't do it. So we, got, we just got to be honest with it. Now, how shall they preach except they be sent, it says. How shall they preach except they be sent? I mean, that's a good question, isn't it? Do, do you know that, do you, you know, you, already, even in our own church, on, on Saturday mornings there's a big table set up here with tracks. Do you know that we spend thousands and thousands of dollars on literature every year? Thousands. That prepares you. That gives you what you need, tools in your hand to go. You know, missionaries need those things as well. I mean, they, not only do they need to be sent to go, but they need the tools to get it done. It costs a lot of money to reach the world that all the earth may know. It's not cheap. Jesus didn't simply come to be an example of righteous living, of unconditional love and endless compassion, although he was. He wasn't just a man whose teachings intrigued bystanders and onlookers. He wasn't just a man whose message both inspired his followers and incited the wrath of his opponents. Jesus wasn't just a man whose convictions led him to Calvary, while compassion moved him to say, Father, forgive them. No, he was God in flesh. And he came to earth to save mankind from the chains of sin and from the horrors of hell. He sacrificed everything. Everything. In order to provide us with salvation and riches. Look in 2 Corinthians 8 9. I want to look at this verse and I'm going to share a little story with you and we're done. I know you can't even believe that. But it's true. 2 Corinthians 8 9. Chapter 8 verse 9. Notice what the Bible says about Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 we read, 
For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became... He became what? Poor. That ye, through his poverty, might be rich. Do you see that? Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. What have we denied ourselves in order that one lost sinner might be saved? What have we denied ourselves? In America, we don't deny ourselves. See, we give in our abundance. We're not like the widow who came forward there that day and gave of all she had. We don't give all we have. We give out of our abundance. Let's just be honest. As a, as a whole, very few Christians give out of sacrificial giving. Do without. Very few. We act like the tithe's putting us out. The tithe doesn't put anybody out. It puts you in. Man, there's nothing. No, no. There's not. Hey, listen. There isn't a Christian on earth that can't afford the tithe. There's, a, there's not a Christian on earth that can afford not to. See, I'm so sick and tired of hearing people tell me things like, Preacher, I can't afford to give the way God commands because I don't make enough. Yeah, well, you know what? Can I give you a rude awakening here? You're lucky you got anything. You ought to thank God for anything and everything you've got. The reality is, He could take your health tomorrow and then none of your money will matter a lick. I'm so sick and tired of hearing it. People acting like they're suffering for Jesus because they're only doing what's expected of a servant. God's telling us that when He was in heaven, He left it all. He sacrificed everything, became poor, so that we could become rich. Missions conference comes along, and let's just be honest. We count our money and say, how much can I afford to give? The building fund time comes along. We count our money, look at our bank account, consider our job prospect and our future and say, what can I afford to do? Let's just be honest. Why do we pretend to be so spiritual? The reality is that's what we do as a whole. Very few believers, and there may be some in this room, that do sacrifice. I don't know. I can only answer for me. But what I do know is that as a whole, as believers, we are extremely careful not to put ourselves out. We only give what we can afford. Now, that is not what Jesus did when he came to earth. What have we denied ourselves? When's the last time you didn't drink a drink just so you could buy tracks and, or buy something for somebody? I mean, you denied yourself something. So that somebody's heart would be touched and ultimately receive the gospel potentially. You did not have your Christmas so someone else could in hopes you'd get a chance to witness to them. You took gifts from your children on purpose and said, kids, you're not getting everything you'd normally get. We're going to give it to a needy family and you're going to feel this. Not, you're still going to have $5,000 of gifts and we're going to go give this family something. That's where we're making our mistake today. 
We give out of our abundance and our kids never learn to suffer and never learn to sacrifice to give to God. And we wonder why our church people are growing up through the ranks and they're not tithing, they're not giving, and they're not suffering in any way. And we say, where are all the workers? They haven't been trained to be workers. Because real servants of God always suffer. And we're not apt to suffering. We don't like it a whole lot. I don't like it. You're probably not much different than I am. But the problem is today is that nothing great for God's going to get done till people start sacrificing. And one day in heaven, it won't matter what we drove or what house we lived in or how much money we had in our bank account. That won't give us rewards. It's not high on God's priority list. Let me give you this story and we're going to close. What have you denied yourself in order that one lost sinner might be saved? Listen to this story. One of the world's most horrific, horrible 17 months of imprisonment was endured by Adoniram Judson. This was back in 1824 to 1825 at the age of 37. Adoniram Judson was a missionary to Burma. He had very little food that was given to him during this imprisonment. His feet were bound to a large bamboo pole. His hands to another. And at night his feet were lifted up higher than his head. Thus he was to swing suspended on the small of his back, his feet tied to a raised pole. This went on for months and months. Seventeen. His heroic wife would bring little bits of food to him. Although she and her own baby at the time were near death from sickness and starvation. What was Judson doing during those days in prison? Hanging from those bamboo poles at night, at times having opportunity to come down off them for short periods of time? What was he doing with his time? There in prison. He was translating the Bible. And he was hiding his work in a hard pillow that nobody would investigate. His wife literally made him a very hard pillow. Brought it in, handed it to the man that was watching over the prisoners. He took the hard pillow and used it. Judson was scared to death he would find what was inside that pillow. So his wife, in turn, made a beautiful, fancy-looking pillow with everything she could grab and gather together the best she could with what she had. She took it in, and Judson would say, Edinire Judson would say, Hey, look how beautiful that is. I'll trade you my beautiful pillow for that hard pillow that's all soiled and worn. And finally, the man gave it to him. I don't know what he needed a pillow for at times. But he hid his scriptures in it. There he worked tirelessly, translating the Bible. He'd go on to lose two wives on the mission field. Ultimately, a third would die four years after his death. He lost a number of children while there as well. He remained for 30 consecutive years laboring endlessly and tirelessly to bring the Burmese people the scriptures and the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. After 37 years on the field, Adonair Judson, too weak to walk, 
was placed on a vessel en route to France in order to recuperate from his illness. But four days later, en route, he died. Closed his eyes in death and they buried him at sea. You say, man, that was a rough, that's a rough existence. Oh yeah, I mean, 17 months in prison was bad enough, but don't think it was much better out there on the open market. No, this man and his wife endured sickness like you never dreamed. They were living in poverty and had virtually nothing as far as the world was concerned. And someone says, well, I thought God wouldn't, wouldn't let his children go hungry. Oh, they lived all right, but they barely made it. They sacrificed and sacrificed and sacrificed to their very death. However, 30 years after his death, the native work which he gave birth to numbered 7,000 converts in some 63 churches. Talking about China. The working staff over which he had oversight consisted of 163 missionaries, native pastors and assistants. There was a publishing house, schools where natives were taught to read, and many more testimonials to his life work. One hundred years later, on the anniversary of his death, Burma had some 200,000 Christians. Speaking at the dedication of the Judson Memorial Church in New York City, a son, Edward, his son Edward, spoke referring to his father. Here's what he said. He said, suffering and success go together. If you are succeeding without suffering, it is because others before you have suffered. If you are suffering without succeeding, it is that others after you may succeed. Americans aren't suffering, and you want to know why? Because others have suffered before us. Sadly, someone has to suffer, or the next generation will not succeed. And I am fearful that we are extremely comfortable in America. We don't have a cell phone, we think we're suffering. We don't get the new iPhone. We feel as though we're out of the loop. You know where I'm going. I want you to be very grateful for what God has given you. And then understand the responsibility that comes with that blessing. The business of missions was conceived in the mind of God. It's His heartbeat. We must be very close to God in order to hear His heartbeat. A passion for souls only comes when we're close enough to hear his heartbeat. If you'll challenge yourself to get close to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you'll make that your life's goal, to draw nigh, to know him, I'll guarantee you, you won't have the problem letting this go. And you won't have the problem of going yourself. But you've got to get close enough to hear the heartbeat. Because otherwise the only thing you hear is yourself. And that's true for all of us. May we make it our goal in life to draw nigh to Him.
to know him. Because in the end, the goal of missions is that all the earth may know. What will we do this missions conference by way of sacrifice so that all the earth may know? Father, we come to you. We thank you again for this time together, and we certainly are grateful for your love and your grace. Lord, uh, thank you for these that have gathered tonight. Lord, what a great crew, a group that's gathered. And Lord, uh, a number, a number of folks in our services, even today, uh, find themselves right on the front lines, witnessing and sharing Christ and giving the gospel. Uh, A number of them may not even be able to go out door knocking on a Saturday because they're working or something else, but they're busy and active, passing out tracts and talking to co-workers and being involved in trying to reach customers and others they come in contact with. And Lord, that's wonderful. We're excited about that. But Father, what have we done? What sacrifices have we really made so that a lost soul will come to Christ? God, help us to, to really evaluate our hearts and to realize that Jesus Christ became poor, that we could become rich. And Lord, in the end, we're to be like him. Help us, Lord, to be liberal in our time, our effort, and our giving. Well, thank you, Father. Now, Lord, there may be somebody lost in this room tonight, doesn't even know for sure. If they die, they go to heaven. I mean, they're here tonight, and They've heard about Jesus Christ, but they don't know him personally. There's never been a time, a place in their life when they personally accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. Right now, Lord, in the stillness of this moment, we're asking you, Lord Jesus, to speak to their heart. To draw them to you, to convict them of sin and the need of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So we stand to our feet even now. Everyone in the building, the best you can, if you're able to stand. I want to just ask you, if you don't know for sure heaven's your home, won't you come in just a moment and meet me at the front? We'll have someone take a Bible and show you how you can know for sure heaven's your home. Meet that Jesus that we're talking about, that we're ultimately going to even take an offering to try to send people around the world to get the gospel. What a sad thing it would be to send money around the world, missionaries around the world to give the gospel that you don't even know. Here you are today. A perfect opportunity. Settle it today, right now, as the music begins to play. Won't you come? You're a child of God. What are you going to do next week? I think it's time to already begin to ask God, what do you want me to do? What portion or part do you want me to play? So important. Missions was conceived in the mind of God. It's his business. And now it's our business.
You may be seated. We're going to have a baptism in just a moment. in just a moment we're going to have that baptism let me give you just a couple instructions while we're up here waiting don't forget as soon as the service is over we do have uh, displays set up over there in the annex some of them have some treats or food and some things like that it is not a time where we're you know we're really we're providing food for the church that kind of thing but there are some things over there if you get there soon enough uh, and there's some good things over there I saw already and uh, you might want to make your way there quickly um, I, I, I would I, I um, also uh, want to make sure you're asking questions and letting them know, you know, giving them an opportunity, okay, to uh, uh, tell you some things, all right? Are we ready to go here? I know. Come on in, Isaac. Hold on to that, buddy, would you? Be real careful. It gets a little slippery there, okay? All right, very careful. Good job, Isaac. You got one more step after that, Isaac. One more, one more. There you go. Now turn face this way. Stand right up on there. Okay, good. There you go. Face this way. A lot of people out there, huh? Okay. Okay. This is Isaac. I'm getting some pictures here. Go ahead. Look right up there. See that? Big smile. Great job. All right. Isaac, have a seat, okay? All right. Let's go ahead and baptize. This is, again, baptism doesn't get us to heaven, but it is a step of obedience. Isaac, based upon... (laughs) I'll cover your nose, okay? I'll get it for you, buddy. I don't blame him. I'd be covered mine too. <laughs> Isaac, based upon your profession and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, my brother, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, buried in the likeness of his death. Straight back, okay? Raised in the likeness of his resurrection. God bless you, Isaac. Amen. Amen. That's a great job. Be very careful as you go back up there, Isaac. All right, we're going to dismiss. And as we